Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Yeah, we were talking to Cloda and Brady who um, first met on Tinder. Well, Brady, as you heard, was in Ireland on holidays and Cloda flew from Dingle to Hawaii to meet him on a first date. And we were asking you whether or not, um, well, what's the most extreme thing, I suppose, that you have, uh, have you, that you've done? for a first date, all in the name of love. Own Carey, who's a travel journalist, is with me on the line today. Um, Own, good afternoon. Afternoon. How are you? All good. Now, shining. Why yeah. Want to leave Ireland? <laughs> Normally we're, we're talking to you in the context of, you know, flight cancellations or air travel, but love actually blossomed in an unusual place for you too. And it's a really interesting thing because it happens quite often. I didn't realise how often it happened until I started talking about it. And it turned up that on every on an average flight, and this would be North America because there isn't a European equivalent uh, survey, uh, two people hook up. It doesn't always lead to marriage as mine did, but two people end up with some sort of relationship out of a, an aircraft flight. I had a random selection in the seats. Random selection, the fact that, you know, you're confined space, you're beside each other for a couple of hours, uh, can be three, four, five hours. And uh, there aren't the other distractions around you, for want of a better word. Uh, you know, people, you know, with loud music and bar environment and the extra stresses yeah. that that people relax they start sharing things. They start talking. Um, you know, you, you, I know myself. I spill out the most intimate secrets on a flight to a total right. stranger, secure in the knowledge that they're going one way and you're going the other, and it'll never. Uh, you think you'll never see again. them again? D- so tell me, what? Give us your. What was your story on? Uh, the story is that we. I was flying uh, as part of a group. Um, with Orla, um, who Orla, Orla Conlon was randomly placed beside me. And uh, we, you know, sat beside each other and we talked a little bit uh, on that initial flight. But it turned out we were part of the same group. She's not a journalist. She's uh, a nurse midwife. And there was a group of journalists traveling with this uh, group. It was uh, a pilgrimage company. We were going to the Holy Land. We were going through Istanbul. So what we met on this flight um, quite you know, it was a largest group. That was the time we were thrown together uh, as part of that group. Didn't initially start seeing each other for quite a while afterwards. But something interesting happened. We actually uh, exchanged uh, a lot of thoughts and communication, uh, emailed, texted, wrote each other into each other's lives, a bit like one of those 19th century novels. And then when it happened, we knew quite a bit about each other. So th- you were obviously then on this holiday for how many, however many days, you know, at the initial stage. Wash your mouth out with chat enough to pop or something like that, because it wasn't a holiday. It was a working uh, trip, as travel journalists do. We were working very, very hard. <laughs> own working trip. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I, I call them, yeah, good old junkish, nothing like it. <laughs> uh, my job was to write about it. It was a company called Marian Pilgrimages, who yeah. was still going strong. And they, with the battle-hardened journalists, uh, you know, none of us would be very Christian, were brought along to sort of sample it as given objective view as to what people could expect on it. That's what we did. Um, well, you must have given them a great review. Yeah, I did. It. I did. Uh, well, 
It's it's not really. Uh, I often say that people aren't tremendously interested in what I think or uh, you know what my opinion of a place is. I really write about what people can expect, and I try to capture the mood of it. You know, the the, the there's a lot of a pilgrimage isn't everyone's cup of tea, no. but there is an awful lot of joy on it. I thought it would be very uh, serious, but the um, and the we were dealing with not actual pilgrims, but group leaders and people who would lead pilgrimages. Yeah, yeah, but. I can tell you the fun and the getting around the piano late at night and <laughs> all the crack that goes on and something like that. It beats an awful yeah. lot of the more uh, uh, robust and holidays that you, people take. Well, to I mean, you, you met your partner <laughs> out of it, you know, as well. You got married recently too, Owen. I got married on May the 13th, yeah. Friday the 13th, Andrea, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> That's fantastic. It's a, it's a brilliant story, uh, Owen. Um, stay with us because Brian has gotten in touch. I will do that. Yeah, Brian is on the line as well. Well, Brian, you were listening to, to Cloda and Brady and we're talking about the most, um, well, random or extreme trips that people have taken, all for a first date. What's yours? Well, I ended up going to Miami to, to meet this girl that I had actually met in a bar in Dublin. I actually saw her in a bar in Johnny Fox's up in Dublin Mountains. Yeah. And I didn't get a chance to talk to her. She was with her boyfriend. Right. And on the, the following night, I went to, into town and I was in, um, I think it was Bad Bob's in Temple Bar. And I was sitting at the bar and she walked in again with the boyfriend and sat down uh, at the bar beside me. So that gave me an opening line, asked them how they enjoyed themselves and they couldn't get over how small Dublin was in reality, you know. Yeah. But um, a little while later on in the night, we were chatting away and she was telling me this. She was actually splitting up the boyfriends and she was moving. She she was living in New York at the time, but she was going to be moving to Miami. So she said, if, if I was ever down that direction, give me a, <laughs> give her a call. She gave me her number, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, call in so, if you're um, passing kind of thing. Like. <laughs> call in if you're passing, yeah. But uh, that, was, uh, that, was, that was February. And by, let me see, later on in June, I flew out to Miami to meet her. She actually lived in Naples uh, and we did a weekend in Miami and Key West. We went to Naples. We went to Orlando. We did the Disney and Universal Studios. Fantastic. And we had two weeks and then we flew up to New York for a long weekend. And this was my first time in, in the States. Um so we stayed in Manhattan and we had a lovely long weekend in Manhattan and I flew back to Dublin and never saw her again. Oh, that was that? <laughs> but that was that. Right. I think we both realised that it wasn't going to work as a long distance relationship. This was 1991. There was, we had, neither of us had mobile phones at that stage. Okay. There was, there was no such thing as, as, as Tinder. There was no such thing as, as uh, Face time so uh, making a call to somebody in the states was expensive and, yeah. and we, we just kind of realized it was just a fling um have a bit of crack and say our goodbyes and, and that was that, that. Was that. i'll tell you it was it was a uh, it was some uh some some date i was going to say it's a fairly expensive date by all accounts I know, but I hadn't been on a holiday for a couple of years. <laughs> you don't have to, to justify it, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to justify it. It's and a... I just decided to splurge. And I mean, I rented a, in Miami, I rented a, um, a, an open top car. And, and uh, um, I said, if I'm going to be in first time in the States, I might as well um, make the most of it, you know. Yeah. So, and was there ever any contact 
since or, uh, you well, know, down when, I came, the years when I came or... back to Dublin I, you know we, 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 we spoke on the phone um, a couple of days later and then I think a week later I spoke to her again and, and, and at that stage I think we both realised it and that was it and um, and never heard from her again I wouldn't even know how to track her down I'm married now so I wouldn't want to but um, but I had I had actually been back in Naples there about 10 years ago with my wife and we were looking around and it had changed so much you know it, 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 it's it's a much bigger city yeah. than than it was back then. Um, but uh, no, it was uh, it was certainly um, just just those couple of weeks, and 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 that was that. And that was that. Um, in 1991, when you were telling your friends and family, I mean, what sort of reaction did you get from them at the time? Eh, my mother kind of looked at me a bit strangely, you know. She said, "Don't tell your dad," because um, I was still living in the family home at the time. I I, I, I was a, a young guard in in Dublin. Um, and uh, I hadn't yet bought my house, so um, I was under the family roof. So, so yeah. kind of. But then again, I was twenty six, so um, there wasn't a lot they could say to me, you know. Yeah, well, that's it. So, that's uh, tr- true enough. Mind uh, yourself and and protect yourself. So, so that was that. That was that. Um, Adrian is is on the line too. Adrian, what's your story? Um, mine's a, a little bit more convoluted uh, and a lot more serendipitous than say, the other callers. Uh, I met my wife on an airplane. We were flying from Boston to London. Uh, I had been in the States. I selected to play for the Irish Colleges team uh, in a tournament over there and ended up sitting on the seat in front of my wife, mainly because I had to be separated from the group of football players because they're all extremely drunk. So I ended up I ended up sitting at the seat in front of my wife. We yeah. the team ended up holding up the plane for about an hour because okay. they refused to leave the bar. What uh, what what sort of t- era are we talking about, Adrian? Uh, Nineteen ninety eight. Okay, so you were ended up sitting sitting then by being moved seats um, to the seat in front I, of your I, wife. And I, how did you or your now wife? But how did you get in? How did conversation start up? Well, I had requested to move because they were, I was the only, it felt like I was the only sober one among the group. So I requested to be moved because I'm thinking I don't want to fly the whole way back to to Dublin with these lads. Yeah. We held up the plane and they ended up sitting me at the back row. So we walked in after holding the plane up for about an hour and I could feel every single eye upon me as I walked down mm. because we were wearing our kit to the last row. And Laurie was sitting in the seat right at the back and I ended up sort of, sitting in the seat and there was a little panel beside me that was rattling and I sort of turned my head speak to her and I said I don't like the look of that and that started the conversation that was that how many years ago was that Adrian? Uh, so 1998 so 24 oh since then right yep yeah so and she, where was what? where was she flying to? so she we were both flying to London she was flying on to Paris she was going to study in Paris in the Sorbonne for a month uh, the final part of her degree in French so she invited me over to spend uh, a weekend and I got off the plane and I went, yep, I'm going to do that there. And then remembered that I couldn't remember her last name. It was before mobile phones. So I blindly booked a, a ticket to go to, to Paris with her first name, that she was an American going to study in the Sorbonne. And that was it. That's that was all that. the information I had. And are you back, Are you now that you're married 24 years, you're living in Ireland, are you, Adrian? Yes. Yes, we are. Yeah. So, we're back here. So uh, we moved back uh, 17 years ago. And then my wife thought that she was John Wayne and I was Maureen O'Hara. So she wanted that quiet cottage out in the country. So right. we're living in Cavan. 
Very good. Own. Oh, it's funny when, you know, we often talk about random selection and people looking to move seats. And we were talking about people moving seats two weeks ago on the show because of uh, children and not wanting to sit beside kids and all of this kind of stuff. But um, yourself and Adrian are, are an example of <laughs> maybe uh, not moving seats if you're looking for love. Well, it's it's quite funny that it happens so often. Uh, I've come across, since my own uh, story got promulgated in different media, lots of people coming back and saying exactly the same thing. Uh, as I say, it's a great environment for meeting people. And you get quite, uh, you, you get uh, even, you know, for example, I was in just about five weeks ago, I was in uh, on an f- internal flight in South Africa where one of the guys was coming to join a cargo ship. All his stories of, you know, cargo ships during COVID mm. not being able to dock. Another girl from Canada coming down to do uh, address a conference, a science conference, all of those great random meetings there. Oddly enough, in the world of the internet and all of that, you don't get the same opportunity to uh, do that online as you do in real life, face to face. You can't beat it sitting beside a random stranger on an aircraft. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you the emails and the texts are certainly coming in because yourself and Adrian are, are not alone uh, in your encounter, as you mentioned. Thanks a million, Owen, for, as always, for joining us here in the programme. Owen, Brian and uh, Adrian, if you have a random meeting like any of our guests here today or an extreme effort for a first date, let us know. 53106 is the number. We were talking about the uh, unusual meetings, the settings in which people have maybe found their other partner or met somebody. We spoke to uh, Cloda and Brady on the show earlier today because Cloda flew 7,000 miles from Dingle to Hawaii for a first date after she met Brady on uh, Tinder. It's a great story. They're now living in uh, Dingle with their baby. Um, Lots of you, though, getting in touch with us today on the programme about this, sharing your own experience. Damien's on the line. Damien, what's your story? Hi. Um, yeah, so I met my wife here in Ireland. Uh, she was coming back from Italy from my wedding and she stopped off to visit friends in Ireland. Um, we met, uh, went out for a night in Galway, spent the following 11 months, on nine months on the phone over and back every day. There was no WhatsApp back then. Yeah. Uh, plenty of text messages, large phone bills. <laughs> uh, that was September. The following July, she moved to Ireland and we were married in November and 15 years later, and beautiful family and kids. That's fantastic. Very happy. Um, at the time, so there wasn't much over and back then, Damien, necessarily at the start, was there? We went over and back uh, nine or ten times okay, in the sorry, yeah. 11 months, so every three or four weeks. What's that? Is watching that out for cheap, cheap flights out of Shannon and keeping an eye, trying to book ahead in advance. Yeah. And yeah, so we saw each other and we kind of joke sometimes we got married in our ninth date. <laughs> because it was kind of our nine time together. Um, the last date was for obviously two or three months before the wedding. But yeah, um, got engaged in Ireland the last time trip over, sat down with her dad and said, you know, yeah, want to go ahead with this. And we picked out a ring in Boston, flew back to Ireland, got engaged in Ireland, were married then a couple of months later. Yeah. The, the long distance, how difficult was that? Um, it's not easy. It's not ideal. And it was more difficult back then because we couldn't see each other. It was phone bills and WhatsApp and text messages. And that was only 2006. So even the difference oh, in, you yeah. know, the 15 years in technology. So it's made a huge difference. Um, and then you're wondering, you know, you're not speaking to someone for a few days. And then the three hours in the phone the following night. And so, yeah, it wasn't easy. and But it's worked out. Yeah. And I'm a carry man as well, so it's just a carry thing. I don't know. <laughs> You're a real Casanova, so Damien. <laughs> I, uh, well, I, 
I, I th- we're Claude are you on Claude and Dingle and I'm from Kerry as well so. yeah absolutely I, I was a, it's a fantastic story um, Claude and, and Brady and I have to say thoroughly enjoyed it on, on the programme today that they matched on line on Tinder while he was over on a holiday down visiting the Cliffs of Moher and uh, she packed up and went on her first day to Hawaii I mean like it's it's fantastic you, you, you obviously it resonated with you when you heard it yeah, completely. Uh, we got engaged in the Cliffs of Moher as well. So okay. um, we uh, we flew from Shannon to Boston like every four or five weeks for, you know, that, that nearly a year, less than a year, nine or ten months. And then when she moved over here, she moved over. We planned to get married and got married after we moved over. Um, yeah, I came into Shannon and uh, the story is immigration guy said, uh, how long are you staying? And she kind of said forever. And he said, congratulations, welcome to Ireland. <laughs> she said, I'm getting married. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so 15 years later, That's all hot. good, very happy. Good stuff. Um, yeah, married my best friend, my rock. Oh, all good. fantastic. Um, Jamie is with us as well. Um, well, Jamie, is, are, are you as much as a, as much of a Casanova as, uh, as our last caller, Damien? Andrea, hi. How are you doing? Good. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put push my brother under the bus on this one. And right. <laughs> the, mileage, the mileage isn't the same as uh, most of your other callers, but um, my brother years ago, he'd have been in his late teens, he's coming out of a nightclub in Balladreen in Mayo, and he decides that he's going to get a taxi up to Dublin to visit a girl that he had been friend that he was friendly with. So he gets into the taxi, not the not in the best shape, She's fall asleep, wakes up around Longford and realises, you know, there's a few holes in his decision-making process, but <laughs> there's nothing that he can do at this stage. He's, he's, he's all in. And then when he gets up to Dublin and knocks on the girl's door, um, she shows him the couch and goes back to bed. Right. So that was his, that was his um, <laughs> semi-long-term <laughs> how long was uh, how, how much was that taxi do you know I think I think it was close to 200 euros right you know the taxi driver would have known him but he had convinced <laughs> the taxi driver that um, it was a Sunday night he had to be in Dublin for a job in the morning and if he wasn't there he'd get sacked and eventually I think the taxi driver gave in and brought him up fair play so, to him he couldn't say anything then when he woke up and started to sober up yeah no big love story to finish like Damien he had a he had a nice long night on the couch thinking about his his actions. Simple as simple simple as that. Yeah, there's nothing like the uh, the flawed decision making process in the early hours um, of the morning for sure. Jamie, thanks a million for spilling the beans there, and your brother. I'm sure he'd be absolutely thrilled <laughs> with that as well today. Damien, thank you too for getting in touch with us. And um, the other thing you're getting in contact about as well that is pensions and the story today about the fish the Irish Fiscal Advisory Council warning. Um, what it's going to cost basically in terms of the pensions and we're looking at about €2,000 per year in tax for a pension roughly uh, or sorry for people earning roughly around 30000 it's two and a half grand up to about fifty. pounds um, This texter says I understand that there are strains in terms of housing but people will improvise as we all do over time. They may buy smaller houses, trade down, as many people do who need it. As all generations, they will need to improvise. At least they will largely have benefited from great education. Time for your younger generation to see what they've been given. All generations should be valued and invested in. 
This texter says, I agree with the speaker. Um, I think the subject is very divisive and causing problems where it's actually not necessary. Should we stop all of the extra paid leave for new parents? Should we stop all the social welfare benefits? Should we stop paying into education? No, we shouldn't, says this texter. Um, I've no problem working till I'm 70. I'm 37 now. I spent my 20s having the crack and travelling. My parents worked through their 20s. Uh, we're just having our fun at different stages of life. That's the only uh, contribution I have to make towards this pensions discussion today, says this texter. Uh, your previous guest said that the average life expectancy is 82 and he was told retirement was 65 when he started working 45 years ago. The problem is that the average life expectancy was 72 when he started working. So he was expected to draw his pension for seven years when he started working, not 17 as is the case today, says this listener. Keep your views coming into us. You can email us as always. That's lunchtime live at newstalk.com. We are going to be hearing one man's experience of a rent scam next. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.